We're in a series called Great Faith, and this is a series that is being spoken to and being journeyed with with about 100,000 people around the world. And we are seeing lives changed, and we are see, seeing just a, a release of faith. And with faith comes power and comes passion and comes purpose. And, and if there was one scripture that I wanted to highlight to you, it's this one. And I want you to think about people who get the best of you. And I want you to think about people who get the very worst of you. You know what? Think of people who get the best of you. They are people who believe in you. They are people who expect that you're going to be great. They are the people who love you. And the people who get the least from you are the ones who you feel like don't like you. And don't expect anything from you. And, and the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God or to please Him. For everyone who comes must believe that He is and the reward of those who diligently seek Him. Yeah. Yeah. When people expect great things from me, I give great things. <laughs> when people expect very little, they get very little. And remember, we've been made in the image of God. Yeah. This isn't anthropomorphism, long words. It's not... You know, we're taking God and making Him in our image. No, no, we are made in the image of God. And God responds to our faith. God responds when you pray, when you seek Him, when you step out. And that's what the sermon is about. This is about growing in our faith. So if you're here today and you feel like you've got little faith, then let the Word speak to you. And grow in faith today. We're going to look at the faith of Noah. And you might think Noah was a very old man who lived a long time ago. But what Noah went through in terms of, of, of the hostility and the mocking and the skepticism is exactly what we face today. We live in a beautiful world and we love people and people love us and we walk with favor. And yet there is a resistance to the gospel. And we've all experienced that. And yet we press on. And Noah faced the waters rising. And if you're facing the waters rising today, there is an ark for you. There is a place for you. There is safety for you. Now, I want to remind you of the story of Noah by giving you some things from a Sunday school class, and then we'll get into the word. Okay, a couple of things to remind you of the story of Noah. Point one, don't miss the boat. <laughs> Second point, take your friends and family with you. Take everybody possible on the boat with you. Thirdly, plan ahead. Remember, it wasn't raining when Noah started to build the ark. Four, Stay fit and stay strong. Wasn't it good the fast that we just had? Good way to stay fit and strong. <laughs> and stay obedient because when you're older, God might ask you to do something great. And uh, God asked Noah at 500 years old to build an ark. Next one. Don't listen to the unbelieving critics. But keep doing what God has called you to do. Keep building your ark, which is the purpose of your life. Six, build your life on something that rises above the water. Build your life on something that rises above the water. And that is the ark that God has for you. Seven, when you're really stressed, when you're really just downcast, then just get into the ark and float above the waters. Eight, if you don't feel equipped, maybe you don't feel equipped to do this campaign, it's fine. Just remember the Titanic was built by professionals but the ark was built by amateurs. <laughs> Remember, no matter what the storm, no matter what you're going through, 
when you're with God, there's always a rainbow at the end of the storm. And then lastly, with God, you can do seemingly impossible things. Nothing is impossible with God. All right, let's look at the verse here that we're looking at. This is the main passage of Scripture. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, that's the good fear, the fear of God, not a trembling, but an honor, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes from faith. With God, there's always a promise. With God, there's always a required heart response. When God speaks, there's not just a heart response. There's also an action that needs to follow. And then lastly, with God, there's always a blessing as we have the heart response and as we do the action. We're going to look at five things today. We're going to look at how by faith Noah discerned the future. By faith, he built an ark. By faith, he saved his family. By faith, he preached the gospel. And that's what this series is about. What on earth am I here for that you're going to do in six weeks? We're all going to do. Amen. And then lastly, by faith, he inherited a righteousness himself. So let's start on the first one. By faith, he discerned events about the future. You know, God wants you to be ahead of the game. You know, God wants you to be able to know what is ahead. I remember when I was in business, just the incredible competitive advantage we had because God would speak to us time and time again about what to do and, and how to do it. Now, whether it's your family, whether it's your marriage or your future marriage or the crisis you're going through, or whether it's ministry, God wants you to be able to hear his voice and know the future. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And this is your inheritance, that you would know the future, that you would be able to hear his voice and follow after him. Now, sometimes when we think or we talk about hearing the voice of God, we think it's going to be like a megaphone, and we expect to see an angel, and then it doesn't happen, and then so we're a little bit disappointed. Although there's the joke about the guy who goes into the little chapel and he says God what must I do with my life and then he hears a loud voice sell all you have give it to the poor and go to Nepal and he goes is anybody else up there (laughs) (laughs) but God doesn't normally speak in a loud voice probably the greatest prophet in the Old Testament was Elijah and when Elijah went to seek God there was lightning and there was thunder and there was an earthquake and it says God wasn't in those things but he was in a still, small voice. So let me illustrate in my life what happened. Two weeks ago, they asked me to cover the worship in one of the Every Nation services. And um, so I went early in the morning, sought the Lord, prayed, and I felt, this is what I felt. I felt like people were dislocated from God. Got to church, and I went to the worship team, and I said, what's the theme? And they said, it's joy. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Service started, and man, the house was on fire, and everybody seemed happy, Jabulani dancing. It was incredible. And I think the worship team, not I think, I know the worship team had heard from God for probably 75% of the congregation. And I'm hovering at about 85% that I've heard from God. Have you ever been there? Where you're like, I think I've heard from God, but if you put me against the wall, I'd say I've heard from God. But, but it's not 99.35, it's... I'm sitting at about 80%, 85%. 
And what I'm feeling like is that there are people dislocated from God. People, fe people feeling far from Him. So after the fourth song and the house is on fire, I get up with a little bit of trembling and I say, uh, I feel like there are some people here. And I said it simply, one, two sentences. People that are here and you're feeling far from God. And if that's you, come to the front now. Man, about 200 people came forward. <laughs> and the point being, when we hear from God, we're not looking in the natural. And when we hear from God, it's not always as obvious. But you know, God wants to speak to you. God wants to lead you. And the best way you can hear from God is by walking with Him. And you know how you walk with God? Two simple things. Two H's, you can remember these. Your heart and your habits. The best way to know whether you are walking with God is, is your heart burning for Him? Do you want Him? Is He the passion of your life? And then secondly, what are the habits of your life? You know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not okay to be like, hey, Sunday, all in for Jesus, the rest of the week, you know? As uh, Andrew and Carol taught me, you're a functional atheist, you know? <laughs> There's no difference. To walk with God is about your heart, and it's about your habits. And as you do that, you will start to hear His voice like never before. And He will lead you with regards to your family and your children and your business and every area of your life. Now let me give you some guidance as to discerning and hearing the voice of God, just so you don't do any crazy things. Like I did. I did lots of crazy things. So I didn't follow these guidance, guidelines. So this is just your, your, your barriers to not go over the cliff. But drive at full speed, but just don't go over the cliff, all right? <laughs> so firstly, if you think you're hearing from God, understand this. God is not going to contradict His Word. So you're beautifully married, and then you meet another beautiful woman, and you think, well, I'll marry her as well. No, God does not contradict his word. That's not the Lord. Or I'm going to divorce this one and marry the other one. Nah, if you've been through crisis and tragedy, different story, I'm not judging you. But I'm using it as an illustration that God doesn't cause you to do things that are in contradiction to his word. You know, I'll take this bribe because everybody else is doing it. No, 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 you're not hearing from God. You know, this blessing is from God, and no, it's not from God. <laughs> it's a test, and you need to overcome it. Secondly, God's voice has a consistent character. And if you've got your Bibles, go to James chapter 3. I use this to test the, the genesis of my decision. In other words, the start. I use it to test the process of my decision, and I use it to test the outcome. And if it passes all of those, then these are green lights for me to say, I'm hearing from God. This is what Genesis 3, sorry, James 3 says. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So if what I'm doing, if the motivation behind it, the way I do it, and the result if it's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere, then that's a great indication that what I'm doing is from God. So as you are hearing from God, just let it be judged. This is like my southern cross. You know, you're navigating at night. You don't have a compass. Use that to help guide you. Is what you're doing pure and peaceable, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits? And if it is, chances are you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. 
And then lastly, God's voice is not exclusive to you or to me. You know those like, I've heard from God. You know, you come and tell Pastor Andrew Carroll and they go like, I don't know about that. She goes, it's fine, I've heard from God. You know, your connect group leader, you tell them, they say, no, no, I've heard from God. Chances are, if you're hearing from God, some people that you trust, some people that are godly will confirm as well. I've seen too many people go off the cliff when they're saying they've heard from God, but they ask nobody to help them. And it's an exclusive thing. So, Noah heard the voice of God and it changed everything. Can we be people who hear the voice of God for our lives? Walk with God. Have your heart and your habits, your prayer life, your devotion, being in connect, have these aligned and you will hear the voice of God. Secondly, by faith, he built an ark. You know what building an ark is? It's the work of your life. And many of us have multiple works in our lives. When I was about eight years old, I heard from the Lord. He said to me, you called into full-time ministry. But the door did not open until I was 40. So I found myself in business. My heart was, that's where I want to be. That's where I'm called to be. But the door did not open until I was 40. What am I saying? You might be flipping burgers at the moment. Or chopping wood like Noah. You might be doing something. Do you think this is not my beautiful life? And yet, if you do it as unto the Lord, you will see the blessing and the favor and grace upon your life. There was a man walking down the street and he saw three men digging a ditch. And he said, what are you doing? And the first one said, I'm digging a ditch. He said to the second one, what are you doing? He says, well, we're building a church. He said to the third one, what are you doing? He said, we are building an apostolic center, a cathedral to the glory of God. From this, missionaries are going to go out and change the world. <laughs> All three doing the same thing, but a different perspective. Can the way you do family, the way you raise your kids, what you do Monday through to Saturday, what you do on a Sunday, can you do all of that to the glory of God? Can you build an ark to his honor and his glory? Noah did it by faith. Can you approach everything that you do by faith? And you say, Lord, while you've got me here, I'm going to do this unto you. I'm going to do this to your glory. I'm going to do this to your honor. And then you know what happens? God sees that and he blesses it and he favors it and he promotes you and he lifts you up and he gives you the desire of your heart. Now, there are two calls upon our life. There's a primary call, and that's to be his, to be a son, to be a daughter of the Most High, to be in relationship with God. But the second call of our life are these different spheres of family, church, society, and work. And the Bible says, Paul writing, he says, whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever ark you are building now, whatever wood you are chopping, whatever ark you're building. Remember, the ark was two football fields long, Two football fields wide, four stories high. But he did it to the glory of God. Hard work. He took a hundred years to build it. So I'm like, um struggling because I'm not in ministry, you know, for 10 years or for 15 years. He took a hundred years to do it. And I believe Noah exemplified this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Can we change the attitude to what we have to do? 
and be like Noah and do it by faith. You know, God sees what you do and he sees your heart. And as you do it by faith, everything changes. Next one. By faith, he saved his family. Now, I've got, got a question for you. How many of you are single people here? Just lift up your hand. No shame if you're single. It's awesome if you're single. Just lift up your hand. Lift it up. Lift it. Be bold. Lift it high. Okay, put your hand down. So you know, in, in medieval times, the greatest spiritual state you could be in was not to be married. You know, you were a monk or a nun or a priest. You remember those days? We don't remember them. The church seems to have flipped the other way. Now it's like the greatest spiritual state you have to be is married. And let me say to you, neither one is, is correct. Neither one is correct because I, wherever you are, you're called to glorify God. Now, let me talk about saving your family for you single people. The best way you can save your future family is by following this very simple verse. And what, it, what does it say? Do not be unequally yoked. So can I speak to you as a father? Young man, young woman, you've got no business dating someone who isn't saved. Can I get a yes? And there's so many beautiful people here in this church anyway, you know, just sign up, be a volunteer, start a Bible study, and who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> and let me just say something else, and, and please hear me carefully on this. There's a stigma attached to a certain way of finding a godly man, a godly woman. There's a stigma attached. I'm going to talk about the stigma. Um, in The Economist article about three, four months ago, Business Magazine, it identified that there is no um, statistical difference or you are no worse. In fact, the chances are even better that you have a successful marriage. If you find your partner through this way, hear me carefully, internet dating. Okay, now let me explain it. If you put on it your best skanky picture, then you're on your own, all right? <laughs> and if you put like, well, I'm, I'm spiritual and I'm mystical, then you're on your own. But if you put on, I love Jesus and I'm all in for him, then immediately you are narrow banding your, you know, and the right people will be interested in you. Okay, so I'm trying to destigmatize just using a particular technology. So, um, I mean, I, I submit this to Pastor Andrew and Carol. Andrew says he will help set up your internet profile for uh, I'm not talking about Tinder and hooking up. You hear me? But what I am saying is, if you've got a heart to find a partner, then do it the right way. And let God bless you. For those of you who are married, every person who's married who has children wants the best for their children. Everyone wants their children to, to love God and be on fire and not be caught in the things of this world. Let me tell you, simple, surefire rule. You want to make sure that your children love God? You want to make sure your children follow after Him and, and keep on the straight and narrow, the path of blessing, which I've seen happen with my boys, how they followed after God. Can I tell you the secret? One thing. No hypocrisy. In other words, if you want them to love God, you burn for God. You want them to love God, you be the real deal. Because as you are, they will see it. So it's no use you saying, go to church, son. I'm going for coffee down at Tutors, just on the road here. And I'll see you after. No, no, no. Forget it. Let you be on fire for God. 
and you will see that your children. So, parents, you can't outsource your parenting to grannies and nannies and thank the Lord for grannies and nannies. The best thing you can do is take responsibility to impart faith and life to your children. And that comes from a heart that loves God. Okay, so if you set up a rough internet dating profile, you're on your own. I hope you heard me well on that. <laughs> Andrew's available to help us. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah, doesn't say it in the particular verse that I gave to you, that Noah was a herald of righteousness. Who of you are a side dish to somebody? A side dish. You know what a side dish is? Okay, a side dish is like somebody's like extra boyfriend or extra girlfriend or mistress. Is any, don't lift up your hands. Okay, lift up your hands. <laughs> Who of you are a side dish? Who of you would like to be a side dish? Who of you would like to be somebody that um, they spend time with you when they want to use you, but they never introduce you to their family? They don't take you to work functions. They're actually ashamed of you, except when they want to have fun with you. Nobody wants to be a side dish, right? Nobody wants to be a side dish. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have made Jesus your side dish? You enjoy spending time with him, but hey, you're never going to talk about him. You're never going to tell people about him. You're never going to invite them to your book club because Jesus is your side dish. None of us want to be a side dish. But why do we treat God that way? Paul writes, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We should not be ashamed of the fact that Jesus has come in and transformed our lives. And so when you get to, to work tomorrow and people say, how was your weekend? What should come from your lips is, I had a good time with God. And we learned about side dishes and internet dating at church. And by doing that, you're telling them that you go to church and that your faith means something to you. And do you want to join my book club? Have you been in a book club? I've never been. Let's start a book club. And so you begin to share your faith with people. And you don't treat Jesus as your side dish. I love this verse in Philemon where he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. In other words, blessing doesn't just come on other people. And you're not just being obedient, but blessing comes upon you as you share the gospel. So Noah preached. Noah was a bit like Reynard Bonker. Reynard Bonker went to Lesotho before he started the, his whole ministry. And he preached and preached and preached. And nothing happened, but he was being obedient. It's not about, it's not a pragmatic, well, is it working or not? We do it out of love for God. And we do it because we don't have him to be our side dish. We tell people not because, well, I got one, or I got three, or I got five, so it's successful, so I'll keep doing it. We do it because we love Him. And so we share the gospel, and we tell people about our lives. And lastly, He inherited a righteousness. He got blessings upon His life by His faith. Let me tell you a story about my eldest son, James. He's just started work at um, Ernst & Young in Cape Town, following in Kerry's footsteps, uh, also actuarial. And uh, just before work, they had a bra, a couple of days before. And they said to him, so what's, uh, what's, what's happening in everybody's life? You know, a bit of a check-in. And in the corporate environment, he just stepped out and he said, well, I'm part of a church plant in Seapoint, and we're just trusting to touch people's lives and see many people come to Jesus. Amazing, bold and courageous. 
and he was trusting to be given a specialism. So he arrives at work on Monday. He tells us a story on Monday, and he says, everybody else has been sent to the Sunlam audit, the whole office, all the first years, except for him. And he's been given an air of specialism. And, wow. and he's being brought into partners' meetings and dealing with clients around the world already. And uh, he said on the first day, but my boss is very tough. We didn't speak to him again until the rest of the week. Friday, we said, so how's it going? He says, my boss is amazing. <laughs> and she loves Jesus. <laughs> and I'm having such favor. What I want to say to you, we are called to walk by faith. And as we walk by faith, blessing comes upon every area of our lives. We start to hear God for our future and what he wants us to do. We start to hear God for, for the ark. We start to hear God for the work that we've got. And God whispers it to our hearts and we start to pray for it. And we start to trust for it. And he starts to bless the work of our hands. We start to hear God for our family, our future family, our partner. Or we start to hear God for our existing family. We start to hear God and we go on an adventure of being used by him and touching people's lives. And in all of that, we get blessed. And our lives are changed. And, and we receive salvation by grace through faith. So can we pray together as we conclude? Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. And you invite us to put our faith and our trust in you. Lord, we can't clean up our act we can't get rid of our, the sins of our past, of our present. We can't take ourselves out of bondage. But Jesus, you came. And all we need to do is put our faith and trust in you. And receive you. And receive what you've done for us.